Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I sincerely hope that you are doing well. We are going to talk about hormones today because guess what? I have completed my advanced training hormone course and I am so happy to be past it. It was amazing. It was challenging and fast paced. I think that was part of the um, part of what made it so hard. We covered a lot of complicated, um, comprehensive information in about an eight week period when really I could have used an entire semester. Um, At this point, I feel like half of my brain has melted out of my ear. But you know why I do it. I do it all for you. Remember that Janet Jackson song? All for you, my friend, so that I can bring you this information and share it with you and help you through through these hormone issues because they play such an incredibly, incredibly large role in our outlook on life, you know, and how we feel and what we bring to the table on an everyday basis. And so I'm just so grateful that I had the the opportunity and the means um, and that this kind of course was available for me to take um, as an advanced course. So extremely happy to be sharing all of this good stuff with you. So, um, you know, what we went over in this course, what we studied very intensely uh, were adrenals, um, male hormones, and female hormones. And of course, with the female hormones, you know, we have women who still have a period, we have women who are perimenopausal, and we have women who are postmenopausal. And so there are a lot of nuances and intricacies um, that come along with all of these and how all of these interplay together, you know, the adrenals with male hormones and adrenals with each stage of female hormones. Um, Anybody that does not believe that we have the most amazing creator that who who is into the details (laughs) has never studied hormones. There are details all day long. And so um, it's really fascinating stuff. But the thing that you know, we got to know is that there are ideal ranges of hormones that our body should maintain at each stage of life. You know, so whether you currently have or should have a menstrual cycle, are perimenopausal or postmenopausal, maintaining the correct balance of hormones is imperative for virility and longevity. And, you know, imbalanced hormones lead to infertility, painful and intense cycles, skin issues, mood swings, poor sleep, hot flashes, urinary issues, low libido, um, you know, and weight gain. And so none of those are fun things. And we don't 
have to ex- you know accept the fact that that's just part of what comes with hormones. There's so much that we can do about it. And you know, as I was going through this course, I was both sad and um, kind of ticked off <laughs> as I was reflecting on my experience 15 years ago, you know, when I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility, I can't ever say that without doing quote marks with my fingers over here. Okay, unexplained infertility. What does that mean? That means they don't know what's wrong with you. They can't give you they can't explain it to you. You just don't you just cannot get pregnant, you know. Um, And that's really frustrating. And this test, well, the test that I can, um, the specific test I can run for women who are still um, cycling, you know, or should be cycling, is so amazing. What that could have done for me at the time would have been everything, would have given me, would have explained it. There would have been, okay, this is the explained infertility right here. You know, and I, I don't even know what was available 15 years ago. I don't think... Um, anything quite this high level of testing was, you know, probably available, but I know there were more options, more things they could have run on me that and explained it to me um, better. And I know that this test that this one test I'm talking about um, for cycling women is available today. And yet there will be thousands of women diagnosed with unexplained infertility, um, when something like this could be so helpful. And so, um, you know, I'm just, it makes me feel so happy that now we have answers, we have solutions, you know, and um, for for cycling women and for postmenopausal women, I can tell you the other thing that really freaks me out is that there are so many young women that have had hysterectomies already. I know people in my little small town, several young women who have already had hysterectomies. And, you know, the US has the highest rate of hysterectomy in the industrialized world. And it is the second most frequently performed surgical procedure after C-section for US women. Um, You know, and what's just terrible is that studies show that many of these are not necessary and that 90% are performed electively. Now, of course, there are times, you know, when a hysterectomy is medically um, necessary, but they are much fewer and far between than at the rate that they're being performed, you know, and um, I just think that it's so common for conventional medicine to jump to things like major surgery and synthetic hormones before addressing root causes that may be naturally overcome through dietary, lifestyle, and supplemental solutions. You know, many hysterectomies are performed because of the underlying root cause of estrogen dominance, and that's when the body has too much circulating estrogen. It can wreak havoc on a woman's body. Many issues like excessive bleeding um, and painful symptomatic cycles are because of estrogen dominance. Estrogen dominance perpetu- perpetuates weight gain. Um, you know, it, it, it can be a root cause of even for um, postmenopausal women can be an estrogen dominance. There's a myth that you can't be, but you can. You can be an estrogen dominance as a postmenopausal woman, and that would throw off 
um, that balance of hormones that you should be maintaining that could lead to, um, you know, the hot flashes and the, um, the sweats and things like that. So, um, so this is good stuff to know. Um, you know, there are a lot of reasons why a, a woman could be an estrogen dominance. And in fact, I think, you know, I could do a whole podcast on that. And I think I will because it is such a widespread and common problem. But the reasons a woman can be in estrogen dominance would be diet would be the first, um, gut issues, uh, poor liver clearance, not being able to uh, metabolize and detoxify estrogen. So if you, you know, if your liver is not, if your liver's overburdened, as so many of ours are, um, it may not be clearing estrogen as efficiently as it should. Not pooping, okay, because we poop out. Once we're detoxified it, you know, we, we poop it out. That's how it gets out of the body. And so if you're somebody that struggles with constipation, you could absolutely be estrogen dominant. If you have um, adrenal dysfunction, so if your adrenal glands are you know, you've been so overly stressed and your um, adrenals have been taxed, that could be a problem. Too much exposure to xenoestrogens, which are estrogen mimicking compounds and things like your personal care products. You know, I know we all see that on social media and we kind of blow it off like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the government would not allow all these products on the shelves if they were that bad for me. Well, they do. They do, and they, so many of them, so many of the ingredients in these things that we slap on our skin every single day are full of endocrine disrupting um, chemicals that go in and wreak havoc on hormones. So, you know, it may not be just that. It may be that in addition to you're not pooping or your gut issue, you know, or your poor liver clearance. Like it could be several of these things working against you that would be putting you in estrogen dominance. But the point is, there are a lot of things to cover before we start cutting people open and taking out organs, okay? Like when we're talking about um, performing hysterectomies and such. Um, and so, you know, even women who do get a hysterectomy, they, a lot of them report that their symptoms are, are still there, worse, or they might be experiencing a whole new set of problems. And so I just, I think it's so important to let you know that if you've already had a hysterectomy at a young age because of these problems, you made the best choice that you were advised to make, right? Um, and so, but that we can still work with what you got to optimize your hormone levels um, postmenopausally, whether that was surgically induced or came natural to you in life, okay? Like I said, we all have levels, certain target numbers, optimal ranges that will make us feel well. And so we best, um, we can best know if we're in that target, target range by testing. Okay. And so that's kind of what I want to, well, it is what we're going to talk about today when I want to share with you, um, so that you know what options are out there and what's the best to do. Um, and that these are available to you at any, any stage of where you are in your, um, female hormonal, experience of life. Okay, so let's start with the most common test choice in the conventional medical community. And that's serum testing. Okay, it's a blood test. But here's the deal. It's not the best one. I've talked to a lot of my friends since I've been going through this, um, this hormones um, training. And they're like, Oh, yeah, I had my hormones checked. They're fine. And I'm like, well, what, what kind of test did you have? And I was like, what is the blood test? <laughs> Yes, I said, well, that's not the best one. 
And here's why. It's not the most comprehensive and quite often it will come back normal, which is what all my friends are like, oh yeah, I'm totally normal. Even though a woman might be clearly experiencing hormonal issues, you know, and so then that's like written off like, well, it's not your hormones, you're totally fine. But the problem with the blood test is that 99% of the hormones circulating in the blood are inactive. Okay, they're functioning as a circulating reservoir of hormone, but they're not the physiologically active form of the hormone. Okay, that's different. Those are different. So it's measuring, basically, let's just say it's measuring the inactive hormones and not the active hormones, if you want to boil it down. Okay, the hormones that are circulating in the blood are bound to proteins, and you want the unbound free fraction measure of hormones. Okay, now some doctors might offer the free fraction serum testing, but it's often quite expensive and it's still not ideal. Um, it just does not give us the most complete picture. The other drawback to the blood test is that, especially for women who still have a period, those hormones are and should be constantly changing over the cycle. Okay. And taking a single sample blood test does not give you the full picture of what's happening. It's like one snapshot, you know, at one time. It would be like wanting to buy a house, but only um, getting to look in through one window to get a sense of what the entire house looks like, right? I mean, that is not a complete picture. A blood test does not tell you if you are estro if your estrogen and progesterone are rising and falling and sustaining output at the appropriate times. Again, I just think of it and it makes me so sad to think about uh, me back when I um, was, you know, wanting to have a baby and, um, and not know this, this information would have been so invaluable. And even when I, um, when I did conceive um, my first child, which, you know, as I've shared with you, had nothing to do with my doctor, who I love, by the way, I'm totally not dogging him. I don't think he, you know, He's just doing what he has been taught to do. I absolutely love my doctor. Can I tell you a little side story? This has nothing to do with this, but you might think it's funny. So my cute doctor, adore him. He delivered all my babies, um, all C-section, by the way, which, you know, now that I know what I know, I might have pushed for a VBAC, but I didn't. So all C-section babies over here. Um, but after I'd had my third baby, my little girl, thank you, Jesus. Uh, my husband gave my doctor a gun as a thank you present. <laughs> Only in Texas, y'all. I cannot make this stuff up. Oh, and the other funny thing my husband did was give me a saddle for my push present, even though I didn't push like that was my here's your way to go, babe. Here's your having a baby present. It's a saddle. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, babe, that doesn't make any sense. I know I didn't even push this baby out, but I had a C-section. You know, I know it's for the long term, you know, but still, it was just kind of ironic at the time. Okay, sorry, just a little funny Texas humor for y'all. Um, we are really like that down here, or at least we are in West Texas. So, okay, <laughs> where was I? Um, oh, yes, a blood test, absolutely not very helpful for a cycling, um, a cycling woman, and even for menopausal women who can get away with more of a one day snapshot of hormones, 
you know, blood tests are just still not going to offer the mo most robust information. So a really good method for testing hormones is through saliva or dried urine. Okay, these tests have you collect multiple samples of your spit or your pee, <laughs> um, depending on, you know, what you're trying to test. Um, and, you know, if it's for your adrenals, that's going to be all in one day. Um, actually, for male menopausal um, or adrenals, that's going to be more of a, a one day type test. Um, and then for cycling, or women who should be cycling kind of in that cycling age, um, you take a sample every few days. Um, and so it's kind of the same for uh, the dried urine testing for those cycling uh, females. Uh, in the hormones, my hormones course, they kept call, they called it cycling female. And but you know, that just makes me think of a woman on a bike. And so I don't you know, that I keep referring to this cycling female. And I just want to say, you know, girls with periods basically okay um all right now what is cool um so like i said we can do salivary testing we can do dried urine testing okay they are both good measures um for hormones what's cool about the urine test that we run the dutch it's called the dutch test um, it can look at how estrogen is being metabolized and whether or not it's being detoxified down the most preferential pathway. Okay, so there are several pathways um, that estrogen can be metabolized, detoxed down, but there is, um, but there's one that's most preferential. We call it more of the safest pathway. Um, and then there are a f there's other pathways um, that are more estrogenic and more genotoxic. And so with the Dutch test, this dried urine test that we can run, it gives us um, this information, which I think can be really helpful, especially if you have something like, you know, a history of breast cancer in your family. Um, <clears throat> so that's a pretty cool feature of the Dutch test, the dried urine test. Um, it might surprise, you know, you to know that, you know, like, like I said, the first thing we learned about was adrenals, okay, adrenal testing. And so you may not think right off the bat when we're thinking of hormones, I mean, we know cortisol is a hormone, but you may not necessarily lump it into, um, you know, our, our sexual or, or reproductive hormones. But the adrenals have so much influence over the hormones um, that it is highly, highly recommended to have an adrenal test as well. That's why we started this advanced training, this course with adrenals. I mean, if you're stressed, and who's not, you know, there's a likely chance that cortisol is impacting your sex hormones in a negative way. So especially if you already have hormonal dysfunction, anxiety, sleep issues, exhaustion, a compromised immune system, any of those, um, adrenal testing is really important for piecing together the whole picture of what's going on. You know, as I was going through this training, that's what it felt like. It felt like there are, there are a thousand pieces, and this is what I felt like. A thousand pieces of information in my brain, like a thousand pieces of a puzzle. And as we did these case studies, we had to do these really intense case studies and, you know, uh, share um, 
you know, the solutions, um, the answers and the solutions, like read these tests and know what to do with them, obviously, um, so that we could get through this training. And it just felt like, okay, I have all the thousand pieces of the puzzle in, in my head. Now I have to pull the right ones down to make the picture for this, this specific person in this case study for this specific person. And that's the thing is that every person is going to be a little bit different in the pieces that I have to pull down out of my brain <laughs> to piece the, the picture together for you is going to look a little bit different for each person. Um, but adrenals do play a huge role in that. You know, we actually produce our, some of our sex hormones from our adrenal glands. And once a woman moves into menopause, the adrenal glands become um, a really important part of her hormone production. They kind of take, um, take up some of the slack where the ovaries leave off, you know, but if you're someone that's totally stressed out and have compromised adrenal function, then your adrenals may not have that capacity to offer you that hormone production, whether you are a, a postmenopausal woman, a cycling woman, or even, um, even for men, oh my gosh, the adrenals play a huge role in their hormone production. And we know how stressed out our dudes are, right? So the adrenals are absolutely something that we want to um, consider in this. We want to address and we want to nurture. We want to nurture them and make sure they're working properly. There's a definite, um, you know, cast, cascading downstream effect from adrenal function when it comes to hormones. Okay. Um, another thing, you know, I have to tell you when it comes to testing, speaking of, you know, things that we m may not necessarily have thought of, uh, thought of affecting our hormone production and the way they behave in the body. Um, another test that's really important to do is a, a gastrointestinal test. You know, um, in fact, my mentors, my teachers, who I also trained for the um, the gastro advanced gastrointestinal training that I did a year ago, you know, they say really, it's the very first test that you should start with, no matter what, um, no matter what's going on, because the gut is the epicenter for health, you know, it influences every aspect of our bodies, we kind of think of our gut as in the center of our body, and just think of the gut and its influence, like radiating out to the top of your head to the tips of your fingers to the ends of your toes. I mean, we're talking everything from migraines to, you know, joint pain, um, to skin issues, you know, whatever you can possibly think of, you know, um, can affect that. And so it's really important to consider um, addressing gut issues first you know, quite often fixing the gut issue will fix an adrenal or, or hormonal issue, or it will, it will um, bring into balance what was out of balance. You know, uh, my mentors have seen this over and over in their clinical practice, and it's what they've taught us. Remember that um, GI dysfunction, you know, leaky gut food sensitivities are all stressors on the body that can drive cortisol. Okay, and you know, cortisol is released from the adrenals. So too much cortisol can lead to weight gain, anxiety, sleep problems, and hormonal dysfunction. Too much cortisol being released because you are just incredibly too stressed out will bring down 
the way the adrenals work and their their capacity, their ability um, to function. So if you don't identify and remove that as part of the problem, the problem can perpetuate, you know. Um, and that's the thing I've, I've found that nobody really wants to do a gastrointestinal test, you know, the stool test, unless they actually experience gastrointestinal distress, you know, because many people think that if they don't have a clear gut issue like diarrhea or constipation or constant bloating, that their gut is fine, but that is not true at all. You know, again, anything from migraines, joint issues, neurological problems, skin conditions, fibromyalgia, you know, anything, all of that and everything in between, honey, you got a gut problem. It is the foundation for all health. And as Hippocrates, um, the father of medicine said over 2000 years ago, all disease begins in the gut. And he was right. I'm so fascinated by Hippocrates. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, you know, about the importance of testing, you know, and what's happening in your gut, you know, do you have pathogens? Is there bacterial? Are there bacterial imbalances? Is there a yeast overgrowth? You know, all of those would be stressors to the body and in, in creating problems. And here's something that's really interesting and specific um, to hormones. There is, um, there is an enzyme manufactured in the gut called beta glucuronidase. Okay. And what beta glucuronidase does is help. Um, it helps estrogen be metabolized properly. Okay, to just to kind of put it simply. But when there's too much of it, when there is an abundance, which abundance sounds good, but not when it comes to beta glucuronidase, when there's too much of it, it can block estrogen from being metabolized and detoxified properly. Okay. And this will cause estrogen to recirculate in the body, instead of be excreted. And this can lead to estrogen dominance, you know, like I was talking about before, it's one of the things that we have to check for, when somebody's in estrogen dominance. And as I mentioned before, you know, estrogen dominance leads to a whole host of hormonal issues. You know, if you have breast cancer history in your family, you do not want to be estrogen dominant. Now, when I did my gut test last year, that beta glucuronidase was high for me. I was really surprised. Um, so I took the appropriate measures, which included taking a supplement called calcium deglucurate. And, you know, what's funny is I only recently put this together when I was uh, going through this course. But last year, um, as I was going through my gut protocol, and when I finished my gut protocol, um, which was in the summer, I noticed that one of the outcomes of that was that my body weight set point shifted down, meaning I lost some weight. Okay, I wasn't trying to lose weight, I'm in a perfectly healthy weight. Um, but we all have that, you know, that kind of body weight set point where our body tends to hover within a three to four pound range. And uh, mine had, you know, been hanging in its range for years, you know, and then once I finished my gut protocol, that range had shifted down by about three pounds, which I thought was so 
interesting and fascinating. And so after that, we had learned about this beta-glucuronidase, and obviously I did something about it, but I didn't have quite the thorough knowledge that I have about it now. So at the time, I attributed that body weight um, set point shift to, was like, I, I guess it's just eradicating um, the the bacterial overgrowth that I had because I did. I had some, um, you know, quote unquote, bad bacterial overgrowth, just the kind of ones that we don't want growing. And we know that when we have an overgrowth of um, the the, bac the bacteria that's not the most ideal and it's kind of overtaking your good bacteria, that's not a good situation. And so I figured it was kind of bringing my bacteria back into balance, getting my gut back into order, which would take that stressor off the body, you know, also removing the food sensitivities. You really can't heal your gut totally unless you're removing the food sensitivities, which are created by the gut problem. It's like this crazy vicious cycle. And so I get I figured, well, I took all of that stressor off of my body. And like I'm always telling you, the body will not release weight, can't fully release disease when there's, you know, um, kind of that that underlying chronic stress on the body. And that can come from gut dysfunction, it can come from food sensitivities, you know, that kind of thing. So I assume that's what it was. But now, you know, I'm thinking, um, I was like, well, it, it could also have been this, you know, I was likely an estrogen dominance and being an estrogen dominance will also make you hold on to weight. Um, and so it really could have been either one of those things. But I, um, I love kind of, again, just uncovering all of this information pulling off the, pulling the pieces out of the sky of my brain and putting it together. Um, and that's what I, you know, that's what I figured for me. Now, what was interesting was that I just ran a hormone panel on myself, you know, as part of the class, they encourage you to run hormone panels on yourself and, you know, family members and such. And so I did, I, I ran one on myself, I ran one on my husband, I did both the adrenal um, and the cycling female hormone test. Um, and I chose that salivary cycling female hormone test, um, just because again, it's, it's not only good to show how estrogen and progesterone are functioning throughout the cycle, but it also shows you the precursor hormones that kick those off in your cycle. So FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone and LH luteinizing hormone, those have to be um, those are kind of the things that, you know, kick off your estrogen and progesterone to, um, for that optimal output through your cycle. And that's really what's so special about this one test that we can run. Be extremely helpful um, for cycling and perimenopausal women. But um, so, I, you know, I, I really, I wasn't expecting um, to see, I don't know what I was really expecting to see. I have some I do have some kind of symptoms of intense ovulatory, you know, pain sometimes. It's it's not every single time, but usually my ovulation time is a little bit more intense than my uh, pre-period time, you know, than my PMS symptoms, although sometimes I have that as well. So, you know, what I really thought was... I was kind of thinking I might be in estrogen dominance. It is just so common to be in estrogen dominance and it gets, you know, like 
That's kind of one of the first things you think, oh, well, it could be estrogen dominance. Um, but when my test came back, I was low in estrogen and high in progesterone and testosterone. I mean, and I was not expecting that at all. I mean, I, I am of Mary perimenopausal age, you know. Um, so again, that it's normal, you know, that I would be having some low estrogen. But um, again, it can be so common for any woman at any stage of her life to be estrogen dominant that I just thought, well, that could be what it is. Uh, but, you know, to be high in progesterone and testosterone, totally was not expecting that. And that's the thing, you know, we can do our best to make an educated guess about what's going on. Because here's the thing, a lot of the, a lot of symptoms when it comes to hormones, um, whether you're estrogen, you know, deficient or dominant, you, you know, a lot of these symptoms can look the same. And so it's hard to really know for sure unless you test. And so what I see a lot of women out there doing is assuming that they are estrogen dominant or progesterone deficient and taking upon themselves to take a progesterone supplement. Okay. Now, if I would have done that, I mean, I'm like, well, these are kind of my symptoms, you know, this could, this is probably what it is and added progesterone to myself, I mean, then I would have just made things worse because I already have too much progesterone, okay, and testosterone. And so you just don't know unless you um, test, you know, that's the thing, tests don't guess. So that hard data really helps us um, get an accurate picture and direction about what to do. So um, what I did for myself, um, of course, there's you know, we always have to look at diet and stress factors and all of these things. But um, I chose a few targeted supplements to help reduce the progesterone and testosterone, and then something to bring my estrogen into better balance, you know. Um, so that was great information. I also did an adrenal panel on myself. And while it wasn't too bad, uh, my cortisol rhythm was not ideal. Um, there's a real specific pattern we want our cortisol um, to look like. And if you remember when I did the podcast on sinking your cortisol, we want our cortisol to be highest in the morning and then taper down throughout the day. But even within that, there are certain ranges we want to hit at those, you know, when we do a, um, a, a an adrenal panel, we're, we're testing cortisol, we're going to look at, um, you know, um, two morning um, samples, an afternoon sample, and a night sample. And we want to see each of those samples within a certain range, okay? And so mine were, uh, my morning ones were fine, which is, you know, which is totally goes along with how I feel because I'm, I get up super early. I'm really energetic in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'm kind of dragging. And at night, because y'all probably heard me talk about before, like I literally walk and get in my bed after I put my kids to bed, which is early. We make our kids go to bed early because mom likes to go to bed early. And so I am like, good night, everybody. And, you know, straight to my bed and I don't go to sleep right away, but I'm tired, you know? And so that explains a lot of it. Um, and so I'm working on, um, I'm taking some things to kind of bring that into better balance as well, you know, and support my adrenals. Because as I mentioned, adrenals play a huge role 
in the transition from peri to menopausal, peri to postmenopausal, that whole experiencing that whole, you know, experience. And so when they're not functioning optimally, it will make menopausal symptoms so much worse. And y'all, I'm all about going into menopause without drama. Thank you very much. And if you are all about hormones without drama, then I'm here. I'm here to help you, sister friend and Mr. Friend. Because don't forget, I can help your honey too. I don't know if we have any men that listen to this. But um, if we do, it's not too many. But I know you've got some men folk in your life um, that may be experiencing hormonal issues. Did you know men go through um, andropause? It's like the female it's like the man version of menopause, you know, and this is when we start seeing low testosterone and erectile dysfunction and low energy and belly fat and just low motivation, you know, all of that is a part of this andropause. And so, um, and so we can't forget about our dudes. And I'm just so happy, you know, that I have these answers. Now I have the answers, the direction, the protocols, the healing solutions. Um, the education, you know, that I can help you, I can share this information with you um, and help you as my client. So I can order, I can order all these tests um, for clients that I work with one on one. And I mean, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go with that. And so you know, there's just so much information. Um, that I want to share with you, and I will be sharing it with you along the way here. Um, there's just so much, again, the thousand pieces in the sky of my brain that um, I'm just trying to figure out the best way to, to get it to you. Obviously, like I said, we'll do podcasts about it. I'll be working one on one with people. Um, I might put together some kind of group program where you can, um, you know, choose your own hormone adventure, like I am a menopausal woman. And I am interested in, you know, or I have issues with bone health and I have interest, you know, issues with um, urinary um, tract issues because that is a common problem that postmenopausal women have. And that is, um, that has, that's an estrogen issue. So, you know, um, just have a place where you can, you can go to and pick the pieces of the things that apply to you and learn about those and learn about what to do. So, um, it's still all in my head. And again, I can't wait to, you know, bring it out to you. But if you're interested in staying in the loop about all of this about testing, if you're interested in testing, um, in any kind of Q&A sessions that I might be doing, I'm thinking about doing some of those um, for you. Or if you might be interested in doing that kind of, you know, some kind of thing where you can um, go in and click what's more specific to you some kind of program thing. Um, let me know if you'll go to the Christian nutritionist.com forward slash hormones, and I will put a link in the show notes, um, you know, in this podcast show note post on the website. If you will go there and, um, you know, tell me your, give, give me your information, fill in the info and your major hormonal con concern or question, then I'll email you, you know, with answers, information, keep you up to date um, on on all of this information and how you can best um, access it, you know. So, okay, friends, so much more to come. So much more to come on the hormones. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait to get you feeling 
um, to your best optimal self. So it's just another layer of um, healing that we can work on together. And I'm thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled and grateful that, um, that we can do that. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.